This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to the final season of Commentary Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And yeah, for our big finale, we've decided to um, will uh, the universe into creating a new Star Trek show. It's the type of power that we have. Charlie X couldn't wield this power as responsibly as we have. We made this happen. I think I think we should give ourselves a, a pat on the back for this. You know? I, you know what? And the thing is, with our weird powers, I don't even have to move my hands to do that. Yeah, I know. That's it's a, awesome, right? It's a comfortable life. <laughs> so, but before we get into that, before we get into into, into all that stuff, um, a little bit of sad news. Yeah. Uh, Howard Anderson, Howard A. Anderson Jr., uh, passed away this week. Uh, you probably don't know the name. I didn't know the name. However, you definitely know his work, unless you have Netflix, in which case you might not. But <laughs> he is the original visual effects creator on Star Trek. He was the guy who, him along with his brother, had a company that uh, produced visual effects. And they had uh, worked with, with Desilu on perfecting the heart in the I Love Lucy logo, right? And apparently That's... they did a really good job. You remember that heart, right? Of course. I remember that heart. Yeah. So when it came time for Desilu to, you know, hire a special effects company, they're like, wow, Howard, you're really good at hearts. Uh, how are you with stars? He's like the anti-Twitter, you know? Oh, they, they... That's right. He went from hearts to stars. You're right. You're right. I, I still haven't updated my, my Twitter account, by the way, so... But it's weird because I get the impression just from looking at my timeline that everybody updated their phone in the span of about they five minutes. Don't, they didn't give me a choice. Oh, they wow. didn't give me a choice. Like I, It was literally, I saw somebody say, I can't believe they're changing it to hearts. I was like, what are you talking? Look, I have hearts. Well, all right then. Yeah, I don't Thank know. You. It, it, it hasn't happened for me yet. I guess I'm behind the curve, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm still living in a star-filled uh, Twitter, but regardless of that, that doesn't have anything to do with Howard Anderson. He was hired to do the visual effects for The Cage, and he did the exterior shots of the Enterprise, and he also did uh, the phasers and the transporters. He's the guy who created the transporter effect that we all know and love, or at least his team was. That's and, awesome. uh, you know, he worked on... Uh, where no man has gone before as well uh he's credited throughout the series i don't know if he kept on working on it honestly or if he it was just like a holdover of the effects that he did for those first two things but regardless uh his impact is definitely felt in, in star trek but that's by no means the only thing that he did he had a a very long uh career um in which he he worked on a lot of movies and television shows he um his company did title sequences for a lot of mm-hmm. stuff and i mean not just you know little itty bitty things i mean we talked about i love lucy already he did 
Adam's Family, Andy Griffith, Get Smart, The Mod Squad, The Twilight Zone, Mission mm-hmm. Impossible, The Brady Bunch, and Cheers. Which yeah. I mean, just doing doing the title sequence for Cheers. So far as I'm concerned, you just, you can just drop the mic and walk out because that is that one's burned in my brain. And like that, it's one. It really is a beautiful title sequence. Like it, it conveys everything about the show. It is beautiful. It's weird because as as a kid, you know, Cheers was just always the show. Like I think between Family Ties and Night Court or whatever it was, you know, like the, that's yeah, was the half like hour that. where you did your homework while your parents, you know, were really into <laughs> this show for some reason. Um, so like that title sequence, while it was burned into my brain from at an early age, it was always sort of like depressing. Like every time I I, I see it, I'm oh, like, no way. Oh. No, and it doesn't have anything to do with the show necessarily. It's yeah. just more like, ah, I've got to do homework now. You know, but well, I, I mean, but but the thing is, like title sequences like that aren't done anymore. Like I, you know, you 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 mentioned like unless you have Netflix earlier, and it's like I was actually talking about this with uh, you know a buddy of mine earlier tonight, where he said you know whatever happened to TV theme songs, and I think this ties into it where title sequences. I mean, they used to define so much about the show. It was oh, like yeah. it was how you you gear shifted to yeah. use a term that you love to use. Um, into the moment, you know, you, you got ready for the show. You were like, "Oh, here it is." And I see. I always loved it because it always showed people that sequence just is nothing but people, you know, coming together and smiling. And regardless of what the times were like, you know, you always had a friend to hang out with. That's kind of a beautiful thing. Did you see? I saw this before, but it came up again this year with Halloween. There was some guy who, uh, for Halloween, dressed as the uh, Cheers opening title sequence oh, no. he, he was the guy at the end who's like holding up his glass but then what he did he had like the bowler and everything holding up the glass but then in front of him like attached to his body so that in front of him there was like a square and just right in front of him it through like a transparency he had written at the bottom you know, created by, you know, Les Charles or whoever it was. awesome. It was pretty great. That is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I have been rewatching <laughs> that show uh, or watching it for the first time um, over the past few months, and it, it is a solid show, you know, for sure. Yes. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, Cheers helped inform my sense of humor. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but, but I agree with you about title sequences for sure. I mean, whenever there's a show, you know, I mean, Voyager is one in particular where I'm like, that's like the thing that I look forward to most, and. You know, it was true, like even for sitcoms and stuff, like with friends mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And if there was an episode where they're like, oh, we've got too much stuff and we have to do the, you know, the the uh, titles over the, the actual episode because we don't have enough time mm-hmm. for the credit sequence. I always was disappointed in that. But, yeah, I'm a big well, fan. Well, I mean, you know, it sequences. used to be there were certain shows where you could tell uh, – I mean, the X-Files, they would do little yeah. changes to the opening sequence to let you know if something major was going to happen in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they, they would swap out the truth is out there for some other phrase. And, and, and you were sometimes, like, Ooh, big some, show. And then occasionally they would do it for just, like, comedic effect, which is yeah, awesome, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so that that's the stuff that this guy did. He was also nominated for an Oscar for um, an Arthur Hiller movie called Tobruk? Tobruk? I don't know. I have no idea. Came out in 1967, same year as uh, season one of uh, Star Trek. So, oh. so yeah. So he, he passed away this week, and he will be missed, but figured 
should acknowledge it. So in honor of him, go out, dig, dig out your DVDs or, or whatever, and, and or your Blu-ray discs, and switch to the alternate angle and check out his original effects. Because uh, yeah. they're great. Yeah. All right. So let's not uh, bury this lead anymore. Let's Let's get into this new Star Trek show. For those of you who haven't heard, coming <laughs> out January 2017 on yeah. CBS All Access and all this other stuff. Executive produced by Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden. Um, I, I mean, I, I, we don't, I don't think we really need to get deep into all the details, you know, but uh, we, we can kind of touch on these things as they're, as they're going along. But I, I thought more than anything we should talk about Kurtzman and Caden and, and, and also mm. who else might be joining the team or who else we might want to be joining the team because that's what this show is. I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, in Citizen Kane where there, uh, his his wife, he builds the opera house for his wife. Yes, yeah. And then there's like the thing afterwards <laughs> where they're like, well, how's the paper coming along? It's like, well, we've got the news end and we've got the editorial and, you know, we're waiting on drama and, and music or whatever. And it's like... Every aspect of the paper was covering this. That's kind yeah. of how I feel like Trek FM is with this thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we're, our job is to not really talk so much about the the show as we are talking about the people making the show. So, right. And we're going to definitely continue that as I'm sure over the next six months more people are added to the thing. We What I see our job as being mm-hmm. is telling you – what else they've done, telling you where else you can go to kind of get an idea of what it is they've done and what yeah. we can expect from this thing. So, um, yeah, okay. Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden. Okay, Caden, uh, well, let's, Heather Caden, let, let's just get this off. Uh, we'll kind of like do her first because her resume is much shorter she yeah. from from what i gather is is basically the president of alex kurtzman's production company and okay. i think also the kurtzman orsi production company as well so i see her and i could be reading this wrong you know but a- as i see it she's basically like the kathleen kennedy of kurtzman's company you know what i mean yeah so uh, I don't really know how much of a creative uh, presence she's going to have, but uh, she is an executive producer on uh, six shows which exist, all of which were also produced by Kurtzman and Orsi. And those shows are Matador, Sleepy Hollow, Scorpion, Limitless, and then a couple of TV movies, Exit Strategy and uh, Tales from the Dark Side, which are coming out uh, this year. Uh, now, Kurtzman, he's the guy, you know, and yeah. we all know Alex Kurtzman probably best as the writer of the last two Star Trek movies, Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes. Um, which I'm fond of. I know other people may not be as much, but, you know, um, as as far as the TV stuff is concerned, I mean, he's got a very long resume and, you know, we'll get into it. I mean, because... You know, I mean, people should know kind of like where they've seen him because surely mm-hmm. they've seen him in lots of places, you know. But there's three shows which he co-created or co-developed uh, for in their current incarnations or their 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 uh, present day incarnations. First first show is Fringe, which he co-created mm-hmm. with uh, 
Orsi and JJ. Yeah, and a show which I loved. I was devoted to that show for the first three seasons. It was a brilliant, wonderful science fiction show. It really was. Yeah, I've only seen season one, but that's not by choice. You know, I definitely need to get back into that show because I loved it. It was really very much sort of a modern day X Files. You know? Yeah, I I mean I bailed after the third season finale for a very specific reason. Okay. Um and uh never went back. I've always had the intention of going back, but I can say that for the part that I watched, it was it it, it was seriously um I think X-Files is a good comparison on your part because it was sort of like appointment television for me. Yeah. To watch that it was a very intelligent show, very thrilling show, very well uh produced show. Yeah. And that and that lasted five years. You know, everyone loved it. Nimoy's on it, you know, lots of Star Trek people uh working on that show. Um and it was right around the time of oh nine, so it was kind of all, mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a, a commercial for fringe on the Star Trek O nine Blu-ray. Um yeah. the other two shows uh that he created are still on the air. One is Hawaii Five O in its current incarnation, uh which he uh Worked on with Orsi as well, and um, someone else whose name ex- escapes me, who probably did the heavy lifting. I, I apologize for that. Uh, I've only watched the pilot. I just watched the pilot yesterday. Um, I liked it. it. It's it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's very cheesy. But yeah. I don't know if you've seen it at all. But uh, I, I haven't. I could tell what type of show it was, which is not a knock. Yeah, it's not a knock for me to say I could tell from the commercials that it wasn't the type of show that I was going to make an effort to see it's, week to week. It's very much a throwback to a lot of the shows that we've talked about, like Magnum PI and that sure. sort of thing. You know, uh, but it's fun. It's got it's got a very light, fluffy tone. You know, and the other show, which is also still on the air, is Sleepy Hollow. Um, yeah, that's still going strong. That's got quite the the. the uh, sort of like the cult following like it's not a big ratings gangbuster but there's a devoted fan base to that show yeah i think it's one of those shows which is always on the bubble you know yeah in fact i don't know they might have even announced that this is the last season i'm not i'm not positive on that but it's it's always sort of like very tenuous but right. there do seem to be a lot of people who like it and I, I you know i've never seen a full episode but when the pilot was on i it actually happened to be on in the background which is weird cuz i never have shows just randomly playing in the background <laughs> and this was one of them that was and and I was like kind of half paying attention to it. I was like, there, I, I need to go back and watch this. This looks solid. You know, it seems like it has a good sense of humor and everything. And yeah. uh, it, it, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. So so those are the three shows which he co-created and executive produced. But there's a lot of other shows that he's worked on in some capacity or another going all the way back to Hercules and Xena, which he was on the writing staff for. Um, I think he, along with Orsi, was... I think he might have been a showrunner on Jack of All Trades. He was an executive producer um, on that show. Wow. I have only the faintest memory of oh, that show. Yeah. Like I, that's something I wouldn't have even thought of until you said those words. I was like, oh, yeah. That's My memory right. that of that existed. show is strong. Uh, they were doing some crazy stuff on that. For those people who don't know, that was a uh, a Revolutionary War era, I think, show starring... Bruce Campbell as like a mm-hmm. spy for the Americans, you know, during like the British, you know, colonialization or whatever. Yeah. It's hilarious. 
It's hilarious. It's sort of like that show you've seen the ads for, Turn, but with a sense of humor. Yeah. It was, just to give you an idea of what they were doing on this show, there was an episode of the show where Napoleon shows up, right? Napoleon, known for being very short and everything. Yeah. Uh, The actor who played Napoleon was Vern Troyer. (laughs) and at one point i they do something i don't remember the exact episode but basically as sort of like a battle of of the you know whatever they end up i think it was on thanksgiving they end up playing like bruce campbell and, and and napoleon face off in a football game so that's that's the type of show that this was it was awesome anyway yeah. um fun with it. So from there, you know, he went on and he he worked his way up through the ranks on on Alias, uh, eventually becoming an executive producer on that show. Uh, he also was a executive producer on Transformers Prime, which was the cartoon which was based on the Transformers movies, which he wrote. And then now he's also an executive producer on two other CBS shows. So you start seeing the why, you know, maybe he's right. the one involved. Why CBS was maybe a little comfortable with working with him. Yeah. Scorpion, which I still haven't seen, which has a nope. pilot directed by Justin Lin, by the way. And the new show, Limitless, which just, which just uh, came on the air. Yeah, which is also produced by Bradley Cooper, right? Because it's, sure. it's the movie brought to the TV. Yeah, right? it, it actually fits into the same continent. Like Bradley Cooper shows up as his character in oh, this. Cool. It's a sequel to the movie. It's not like a reimagining or anything like that. It's not like MASH. It actually works with the, right. the, the movie that exists. Yeah, it's the same continuity, just like another guy who took the pill kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've seen that movie, but the way it no. ends... The way it ends is really interesting, and I can see why they wouldn't. Well, also, it's Bradley Cooper. But, yeah, it's not a bad movie. I haven't seen the show. Um, as far as writing is concerned, which is, I mean, that's primarily what he is. You know, he was a writer on Hercules and Xena and Jack of All Trades and Alias. Uh, on on the big screen, he wrote The Island for Michael Bay, a movie which I, I enjoy quite a bit. I've never seen it, but you're the you're the only person I know that uses the phrase, which I enjoy quite a bit when I've heard them talk about that movie. It's extremely underrated. There's a lot of cheesy stuff, like when they've when they're in the underground uh, facility for clones, which don't know that there's an outside world, and they have their their like sort of virtual reality video game like boxing match mm-hmm. with the huge. Um, xbox sign behind it because obviously these clones need you know this ad you know promoting them to purchase an xbox or whatever even though they don't know that products are a thing but you know whatever i mean it's weird because it starts off like i mean you could totally like he was just ripping off thx 1138 but then like the second half now that's not a phrase you hear much no, no, ripping but off it's, THX one one three eight is not something that happens every day. But it totally is. Imagine you know like THX one one three eight, but instead of you know Robert Duvall, it's Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, and uh, Neelix. By the way, just running around. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then in the second half, it becomes like this big chase movie. 
you know, which is insane. Like this insane, crazy, like fugitive style chase movie with like the biggest Michael Bay action sequences you'll ever see. It's pretty great. I give it a shot. I like it a lot. All right. <laughs> as soon as I get around to watching Gus Van Zandt's Psycho. Okay. Fair enough. There fair enough. Um, he also wrote uh, Legend of Zorro, which is god-awful, horrible, horrible <laughs> movie. Mission Impossible 3, which I love. Trans- That's a solid movie. Yeah. Transformers yeah. Um, 1 and 2. Which I, you know, I, I, I actually consider it a, a feather in the cap to say that I disliked the first Transformers movie so much. It was, I, here, here's a little side story for you. Um, it came out the summer after my first child was born. And it was the first time that I had gotten the free time to go out and see a movie. And I grew up on the Transformers and I was like, and I even said to my wife on the way out the door, she said, I sure hope you like this because you've really been looking forward to it. I said, you know what? As long as it has Transformers and explosions, which are two things I know Michael Bay can do, I'm going to love this thing. And I almost left halfway through. And the only reason I stayed is because I'd paid for the ticket. And I said, I'm not, I'm not eating this ticket. This is my one get out of jail free card for the month. And yeah. uh, so I stuck that whole thing out. Never watched the second one. It, it's, become, it's become a matter of pride that I actually stuck to my guns and I said, no, I didn't like the first one. I'm not watching anymore. I like the first one a lot. I think it's really funny. Uh, I think the action sequences are, are pretty well done, although I do have some problems with them. And the second one is not as bad as people say it is, but you can totally tell that it was written, you know, right before a strike, you know. So it, it suffers from that, to say the least. Um, but the, the first one, I, I think, is, is, is decent. You know, he, he also wrote, same year as the second one he wrote, this one he wrote, 09. Cowboys and Aliens, we've talked about on this show a couple times. We have. Mm-hmm. We he, have talked about that. He, he directed a movie that he wrote uh, called People Like Us, which is a small, apparently very autobiographical character piece about a guy played by Chris Pine who I think as an adult finds out, I could be getting this wrong because I haven't seen the movie, but as an adult he finds out that he, um, I guess he, he was adopted and he finds out that he has a twin sister. It's kind of like Star Wars. Yeah, uh, I was about to say, does he get his hand cut off at any point? I don't know, I don't know. But uh, so, so that's a much smaller movie that he did, and, and certainly I think his most personal movie, and that's out there if people want to check it out. And then Into Darkness, of course, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, which uh, is better than the first one. Mm. Have you seen Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah. I would not share your opinion. As a matter of fact, I would say that I d- decidedly disliked Amazing Spider-Man 2 you know, a you whole could, lot. You could decidedly dislike Amazing Spider-Man 2 and still say it's better than the first one. Ah, uh, see, the thing is, I wasn't nuts about any of the Amazing Spider-Mans. Yeah. Um, but I thought 2 was not a step forward for it. I thought, I, you know, the thing is, it's... Uh, it's tough because I, I actually don't, I, I don't know, maybe Matthew's rubbing off on me, but I don't like being negative anymore, mm-hmm. uh, as fun as it can be. So I'm always sort of like looking for the positive, but I can say that it's one of the few movies in recent memory where after about 20 minutes into it, because we were at the Alamo Draft House, my group of friends and myself, we couldn't heckle it out loud. 
And so we were reduced to passing notes to each other. And uh, I remember specifically writing I, uh, the note at one point, I hope Electro wins. Because I had just had an, I wanted him to kill everybody and have the movie be over. Well, he, did, he had that uh, great music. You know, I mean, there was like the score where it was like, Oh, yeah. Well. We hate Spider Man. Go kill Spider Man. Yeah, right. And he I'm hate like, on me. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful is the word that I was looking for. You found it for me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, and this is why, you know, this is the most important piece in the puzzle. You know, he is coming up uh, soon on, on directing uh, another movie, his second movie, which is The Mummy. And he, mm-hmm. along with Chris Morgan, the guy who does the fa- uh, Fast and Furious movies, who writes them, they're basically running this new universal monster cinematic universe, right? Yeah, the one that Dracula Untold kicked off, right? Maybe. They, they they said it did, and then now they're saying, like, well, we'll see about that. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> flopped, so maybe not. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but he's doing The Mummy, which is the first really big one in it for sure, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's that's where his attention is focused now, you know, so he doesn't really have time to run a Star Trek show unless he juggles things around, which you never know is a possibility for sure. But because of that, it's most likely that someone else is going to be running this thing. And, you know, in the Hollywood Reporter story, which broke the news, uh, they talked about how they were looking for writers right now. And uh, so the question becomes, who will write it? Um, I guess before we get into that, though, general thoughts on this new Star Trek show i'm thrilled star trek is coming back uh and i was just smiling because i i i don't think that my opinion is is uh unique in in feeling that star trek has always flourished most and best on television so seeing it come back to tell yes i know it's coming back to the app and everything but like basically coming back to a show format i think brings star trek back into its wheelhouse you know, like the movies have always been a sort of nice bonus, but TV is its first and best destiny, uh, if I can borrow a line from Spock. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. I think that it's important to have Star Trek on, on a weekly basis. I mean, definitely there was franchise fatigue, and the fact yeah. that, you know, there were two shows running simultaneously, it got to the point where it was kind of like, really? Like, do I have to still watch Star Trek? Is this really something that we still have to do? I think it would be a lot easier now because everything is on an app or whatever, and you don't have to worry about saving the VHS tape and not accidentally recording Mystery Science Theater 3000 over it or whatever. But it, it is kind of nice that we have had this sort of gap in order Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, start things fresh, start things, you know, new. take a breath. Yeah, and, and like, back when there were shows on the air and then the movies would come out, like, I still do hope that they are making movies because 
the movies were always sort of like a jolt. It was like it was like when you would hit the Nas button on your on your race car, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, Star Trek again, you know, because you're like, yeah, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star, oh yeah, Star Trek again, <laughs> you know. So I think that 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 that's good and an important thing to have. Still have the the theatrical um, movies, but yeah, uh, I, I like the fact that there is a a television series which is going to be. Uh, not on the air, but on the app. So, um, so yeah. So there's that. Now, do you have any hopes or dreams or anything in in regards to what this show will be? No, you know, I I can honestly say I and I saw you know there, there have been a fair number of dust ups, if you will, about you know people saying the show needs to have this and people saying no, the show doesn't need to have any, you know. I, I'm just glad that Star Trek's going to be back on. I hope that they make an effort to be a big tent and, you know, as they have in the past and, you know, let all of the fans enjoy it and have a good time. And I know this might not be popular in some circles, but I'm actually really happy to hear Kurtzman's name attached to it because he, at the very least, with the movies, had a sense of how to bring in. Uh, casual fans and non-fans of the franchise and get them interested. And I think that that's a good thing to have. Like, he has an eye toward entertainment, um, which maybe that rankles some. But I want the show, uh, you know, yes, it's important for the show to be Star Trek, but it's also important for the show to be entertaining. I don't want to feel that I'm watching it just because I have to because it's Star Trek. I want, I want this to be a show where when it comes on, the fact that it's Star Trek makes it even more exciting. And if you took away the the name Star Trek from it, I would still want to watch it. Um, that's my only hope for it. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what he's done with Hawaii Five O. I know that's kind of a different scenario because it's, mm. you know, there's such a long gap. But, you know, he definitely revitalized that thing. And, you know, I think he did the same thing with Star Trek. You know, we can see that. And I think that that's exciting. You know, I mean, I guess... Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of debate as to whether or not it should be in the Prime Universe or the JJ-verse or whatever, and I think even if it's in the Prime Universe, it's still going to have that energy that the JJ-verse has, which I think is is good and important. Um, But I I do, I mean, I'm not at all surprised that Kurtzman, (laughs) there's kind of a half thing, I'm, I'm not at all surprised that Kurtzman is making this show. I think... I, I said on numerous occasions that, you know, when everyone was like, they're not going to want to you know, deal with bad robot, you know, and, and everything. When, when we were talking about like the possibility of it being a JJ verse show, they're like, well, they're not going to want to deal with bad robot. I'm like, yeah, no, they're not, but they're going to want to deal with Kurtzman and Orsi who make every other show that airs on CBS. So, yeah. you know, and, and I thought that they were going to go with them. I'm, I'm, on the other hand, very surprised that it's only one of them. No, mm. I'm semi-surprised that it's only one of them. I'm very surprised that that one is Alex Kurtzman, because I thought, like, Orsi, this has got to be his dream job, and the yeah. fact that Kurtzman is the one who's doing it, I still, I mean, I mentioned this on the Hyper Channel, but I'm like, God, can you just imagine that? Like, the two of them growing up, and then they do this whole thing, and then Orsi... You know, Kurtzman kind of leaves because he's like, whatever, yeah, that was fun. And Orsi's like, now's my chance to make my own Star Trek the way Mm -hmm. it is. And then he, you know, gets kicked off of that project. And now 
the big thing that Orsi probably wanted more than anything else to do his own Star Trek show, and his friend is the one who's doing it. It's just like, oh, God. Well, the, the, the two thoughts I have on that are, one, that, yeah, that's got to sting a little bit, but two, like, I just get this vision of Kurtzman telling Orsi and having it be like the end of Dumb and Dumber when he meets the husband at the end and he's like shaking his hand. He's like, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Uh, But that being said, if there's something that I want, I mean, again, I'll go wherever they take me, assuming that where they take me is a cool place, you know, and I'm, I'm open to anything. However, I would definitely prefer that they stay in the JJ verse. I think that it's important to sort of ride this mm-hmm. out and and make what they did in Star Trek 09 meaningful. And yeah. I also very specifically want this to be an Excelsior show starring John Cho. That's what I want more than anything. Hmm. More than anything in the world. I uh I you know again I don't have any I don't have any specific hopes or dreams or anything like that, but I I also think that um, the likelihood of them going back and cater... I mean, that I think that CBS has an obligation to move forward and try to grab the new fans as they did, as Paramount did in 09 with the movie. And I think that going backward... Uh, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be backward. if they If they did an Excelsior show... And they had John Cho, and it was in the J.J. verse, and it's set as, you know, he got this command after the movie is done. Yeah, okay. Because, like, my thinking originally when you're thinking Excelsior is I, I still go back to Star Trek Three, but if, if I sort of recast it in my brain. Personally, my dream Trek show will be something that is uh, that is so far in the future that they can... Uh, feel free to, you know, okay. As I'm thinking through that thought, the one thing I will say is I hope they never touch time travel. I just want them to leave time travel alone and never do it. And just the show is just there. It's in the future and it, it belongs to that time. And they might have a time, you know, a time travel show every so often. Okay. But I don't want it to be a crutch as, a lot of science fiction has found its way to time travel. You don't want it to be built into the premise like it was with Enterprise or anything like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, okay, two questions then here that we have. Sky's the limit. Who do you want to be the showrunner of this new series? It's a tough call, but Ron Moore. Okay. I want them to extend the olive branch to him, and I want them to say, you know what? We know why you left. We know what the disagreement was about Voyager. We want you to come back and bring some of your uh, Battlestar Galactica mojo to us, and we can meld it together into this JJ timeline, and let's make something really memorable and special. I, I think that that would be awesome for sure. He would be my number two choice. But my number one choice would be the person who is always my number one choice, Paul Thomas Anderson. And I know that's become a joke. I know I've made that into a joke, but 
it's all true. Like, honestly. Okay. But that's never going to happen. That's why I said I mean, sky's I, I, the limit. That's why okay. I said sky's the limit. All right. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Maybe maybe I'm limited by my own imagination then. Maybe I'm just too much on... Yeah. Okay. So All right. So sky's the, li- sky's the limit, PTA? Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, so, okay, taking it back down to realistically speaking choices, who do you get? That's... That is a much tougher call. Um, gosh, uh, you know, day to day, like I, I honestly, I would be strapped because there are a number of people that are very good, like Vince Gilligan, but I don't see him working in this universe, and I don't see, um, you know, maybe Glenn Mazzara. Maybe if you could get him because he's worked. I mean, Walking Dead was sort of a. a a sci-fi fantasy sort of show. Um, And he, I feel, shepherded it through the strongest parts um, and had the most interesting plot lines. Uh, So, I mean, you know, those are the only two other names that come up. I I think, honestly, that in my brain, I'm so stuck on Ron Moore of bringing him in. Well, I think there's a lot of people, and I, I was almost for a minute there considering Ron Moore to be a realistic option, you know? A lot of people say Brian Fuller because he has been so vocal about wanting to do it. Mm. But I honestly think that while Ron Moore may have been a realistic option before this announcement, I don't think he is anymore. And the reason for that is because you're attaching Alex Kurtzman to this project knowing that he isn't going to be doing it himself. So essentially, Mm -hmm. you're putting his name on it. It's a branding thing you know and he's done this you know with limitless and everything not to say that he's not doing any work of course but it's much more it's like jj on lost you know it's he directed the pilot i mean he even said in that video he's like the great thing about this is that you know i didn't have any involvement with lost after the pilot so you know whatever (laughs) yeah um but you know but his name but you know everyone still thinks of that as jj's show you know and that's how I think it's going to be with Kurtzman. And if you're going after someone like Brian Fuller or Ron Moore, you don't need Kurtzman because you've got you've got someone of that stature, you know. And mm. when I say stature, I don't, I'm not even talking about their talent. I'm talking about their name, you know. But is Ron Moore a name outside of our circles? I, and I don't mean just Star Trek fans, but like fantasy fans because i you know are we possibly looking at this through the type of lens that uh my wife wouldn't be looking at it like i would say ron moore and she'd be like who who are you talking about but would she know who alex kurtzman was even if she does watch hawaii 50 I mean, my, 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 my thinking is anyone who cares about the name alex kurtzman is going to know who ron moore is and i mean it's possible that it's a you know like almost like a shareholder thing where cbs can be like look Hawaii Five-O is a success, Limitless is a success, Scorpion's a success. We're giving it to the guy who's done all those things. But I don't know. To me, at that point, you you might as well just say, well, Ron Moore has an extremely popular show on TV now, which was renewed you know, for a second season or essentially a third season before they started shooting the second season and everything like that. And, you know, he made Battlestar Galactica, which is, you know, like the huge crossover you know hit of of science fiction hit in and everything yeah. so that that to me it's not like 
you're, you're they wouldn't have Kurtzman involved if they were going after someone like that. And I don't okay. think that Kurtzman would go after someone like that because I could see it being rather contentious. And I also can't necessarily see one of them doing it under those circumstances, you know? I mean... That's a fair point. I Fairly argued. Sure. So with that in mind, the person who I think is totally a viable option, someone who they could totally get, who I would want to get, mm-hmm. is Iris Stephen Bear. Because uh, okay, he doesn't have that name. He's never created his own show. Right now, he's working under Ron Moore on Outlander, and just listening to him talk about it, while, while I mean, you, I don't know if you watch Outlander. I do not. I mean, that show is really good um but then you get to the iris steven bear episodes and you're just like holy crap like oh my god and i mean also it's like you uh, what would iris steven bear be like if he could literally do anything like go beyond an r rating oh oh that's what he could do oh you know but at the same time as as amazing as his work is on outlander I don't. I get the impression just from hearing him talk that this isn't exactly a passion project for him. You know, he's he's not the showrunner. He like at the convention, he's like, "I'm working on a show called Outlander. It's based on a series of books that I've never read." You know, I mean, the fact that he says yeah. something like that, it's not like he's like, "I need to adapt these books." Ron Moore is like that, you know, but he's not. So for him to say like, "Hey," I, you know, you you can get your own show, and a Star Trek show, which he admits is was the 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 highlight of his career. He says that you know nothing can ever compare to working on Deep Space Nine. Everything else that he's done, nothing can compare to it. And it's like you want to talk about like make you know you're going to get a quality product, and you know you're going to make the fans happy. I mean, oh my God, any debate about Prime versus JJ goes. Right out the window when you say Iris Steven Bear's doing it, then everyone else mm-hmm. is like, well, who cares? He can do whatever the hell he wants because he's Iris Steven Bear, you know? I mean... I, that's, uh, you know, I am ashamed that the thought didn't occur to me, but hearing you propose it, yes, you're right. It makes it makes total sense, and I won't even go down the road of saying, well, what about Damon Lindelof? He's worked on television before. Oh, man. No, that was my... my, my I, I was thinking about that today. I'm like... Kurtzman is looking for writers, and everyone's like, it's weird. It's like, wouldn't it be great if he got Damon Lindelof and Roberto Orsi as his writers? <laughs> if he brought Lindelof on, do you, like, I can only imagine. If you think that the the, the little uh, internecine fights of Star Trek fans were bad this during the first announcement phase, <laughs> if they came out and they were like, Damon Lindelof is working on the show. Oh my! It would be I. It would be like jets and sharks in the streets <laughs> as Star Trek fans. Yeah. That, that 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 heart on Twitter would burst into flames <laughs> like it was being held by Molaram or something. You know? <laughs> yes, it would. Which is why I want them to do it now. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah. So there you go. All right, new Star Trek story is yeah. developing. I mean, listening to uh, you know uh, Larry. Nemechek on the on the ready room. He seems to think that we're going to get an announcement 
in the very near future, like the next mm. couple weeks, because the ball is rolling. Thanksgiving. So, Thanksgiving, that could be, you know. So let's, but we will definitely keep an eye out on this and, and follow the story as it progresses, of course. But in the meantime, we've got some other stuff to talk about. We do? Sort of. We'll make it yeah. brief. <laughs> sure. Um, okay, so Simon Pegg. Simon yeah. Pegg. Uh, he's the, the guy who we're covering now. As we talked about at the end of last week's show, during the final season of our show here, we are going to look at all the people who are working on Star Trek Beyond. Uh, and we're starting off with uh, one of the writers, Simon Pegg, who, of course, is best known to Star Trek fans as Scotty in the JJ-verse movies. Yeah. So let's take it back to 2008, okay? Mm-hmm. Find out that there's a new Star Trek movie, that they're recasting everybody. There's a lot of names which are throwing, being thrown around, and a lot of people who are being cast. You know, the first guy was Zachary Quinto, and it's like, oh, he's going to be Spock? He's the bad guy on, on Heroes. And then you hear, like, oh, Chris Pine. Well, he was the crazy brother in Smoke and Aces. And Zoe Saldana, she was the, the, the woman in, in Crossroads who wasn't Britney Spears or Taron Manning. Okay, you know, John Cho, he was the MILF guy from American Pie and Harold. Um, Yeah, and Harold and Kumar. Right, exactly. But, you know, none of those were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love that guy's work. Oh, yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. And then they say, Simon Pegg is going to be Scotty. Yeah. And that was a known commodity, at least to to me. I mean, I'm assuming to you too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone had seen Shaun of the Dead. So what were your thoughts when you heard that Simon Pegg was going to be Scotty? Uh, the first two words were comic relief. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was like, okay, so Scotty's going to be the funny one. All right, that makes sense. Um, and uh, also, like, it, it was one of those ones where it just made sense, I guess, because, you know, if you asked me to name Scottish actors or somebody who could play a Scottish role, I'd be like, um, Sean Connery? And, you know, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So it it was, it just, it sort of, you know, it seemed to fit. And, you know, I think he had the cred. And so that was the, in in a sense, him being cast was the, was the, the one name that, that gave it, gave you a sense that, I mean, for me at least, that they knew what they were doing, where it was like they, you know, you saw all of these different castings and you, you you saw the way that the picture was uh, taking shape, and then to hear his name announced, you were like, okay, well, they're going with somebody at least that is going to understand how he works in the firmament of everything. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, it gave me a little confidence in the project to hear his name. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thoughts, my initial reaction were like, oh, my God, Simon Pegg, that's awesome. I love that, you know? But at the same time, I was like, I don't see him as Scotty. I just don't. And, you know, comic relief is something that I, I, I thought of, too. And I'm like, is Scotty really the comic relief, though? I really don't yeah. get that impression either. He's a funny guy, but any, more so than anyone else, more so than Bones, you know? Yeah, because well, but the thing is, Scotty's humor was always, um, you know, in that sort of, uh, you know, dimply, dimply smile. Like when Scotty made a joke, it was, you know... Ha 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 ha! Funny. Whereas when Bones made a joke, it was like, "Yeah, this damn world is so awful, and we're gonna make a joke about it because it's the only way we can cope." Whereas you know, like even in the original series, when Scotty had a laugh 
Like, you know, it was a genuine laugh, you know, I, a happy laugh. I guess so. I guess so. I, I guess I can see that. But it didn't seem to, to you know, gel with Simon Pegg's sense of humor, I guess. I don't know. I, I'd say that's a, okay. That's fair. I didn't visually see him as Scotty either, honestly. But, you know, not that that was super important, but I still don't. But, you know, um, but it is, that is what yeah. it is. Um, but I definitely thought he was a talented guy, and I thought that, you know, he would be good in the movie, regardless of whether or not it was going to be tremendously true to the original portrayal of the character, mm-hmm. which is more important, you know, honestly. Um, okay, so then what did you think about his, his performance as Scotty, you know? I mean, I guess it just overall. I, I thought he was funny. I, I in, in, the, in the first one, I thought that he filled the role of comic relief. You know, I, I, in, I liked his interaction even with Keenzer. I knew that, that Keenzer was uh, a somewhat controversial character, but I liked that they gave him somebody to play off of like that, and I thought that he did a really good job with it. I agree. I thought he was really funny. I, I didn't particularly like the way that they brought Scotty into it, but in terms of his performance, I thought it was really solid. He worked with what they gave him extremely well. Mm-hmm. He's a very talented comic actor, and um, I thought he kind of you know hit it out of the park in, in that sense. And what, what I kind of love about Into Darkness is that while he is still very funny in that, they basically made him sort of like the conscience of the movie early on. Yes. And he's the guy who's like, you know what? We shouldn't be doing this. And there's that moment where he's like, Jim, listen to me. And I think I've brought this up elsewhere, but that's like one of those things where it's like you hear him say that, and especially coming from from that character, and mm-hmm. it just kind of like, strikes you like whoa whoa no wait we need to take a step back and really listen to what he's saying because he just called you jim like i remember um (laughs) there's my my friends all call me schindler max calls me schindler everyone does because i used to work at a comic book store where there were four guys named mike there were like six employees and four of us were named mike Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm schindler 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 my wife calls me schindler um, <laughs> I've never heard her call me Mike in my entire life. Anyway, um, so I, oh, there was a time where I was getting like really into comics, like in, in, around like college, I guess. And there was one time and then, you know, the comic book store I used to work at and my friend worked there and I came up one day with a stack of like 10 comics and my friend like picked them up. He's like, you're getting all of these. And I'm like, yeah, and he's like, "Geez, Mike," and I'm like, "Whoa, maybe I should start rethinking how many comics I'm buying because he just called me Mike, <laughs> right?" Know? And that's yeah. that's kind of like how how I I, I felt when when uh, I was watching Into Darkness, and I, I really liked that. I because mm. as since I didn't, I mean, yeah, maybe Scotty was a funny guy, but. He's de- he definitely had his, you know, serious moments as well. And it was great to ha- have him, you know, s- see him have that in Into Darkness. And I think that but, Peg did a good job portraying that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Because in that scene, you know, aside from everything else, is one of the most fascinating things is there are a lot of comedic actors who can't pull off the turn to the more dramatic. And that whole 
interplay works because he's one of the ones that can make it work mm-hmm. and make it believable because he doesn't you know it it doesn't feel unnatural for him to have that moment where it's like joke 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 breaks on it wait no 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 this yeah. is a serious moment and you bought that entire exchange and i mean in a sense though Scotty becomes, in a large way, the hero of the movie to a certain point because he is the one, like you said, that's the conscience of the captain and is the only one who sticks to his principles through the entire thing. Yeah. Like, and yeah. never backs down from what he believes to be right. Right. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty cool. I really like yeah. his arc in that movie. Okay, yeah. so mo- moving on. Uh, now Simon Pegg is co-writing... Star Trek Beyond, along with uh, Doug Young. And how this came about, for people who may not know, um, Simon Pegg works on another bad robot production uh, called Mission Impossible. He was in Mission Impossible 3, and that's where you know he met J.J. and everything, and that's how he got the job on Star Trek 09, I, I presume. And uh, Star Trek was going through its sort of writing problems with Roberto Orsi and uh, um, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay's script. Apparently there were some people who, for whatever reason, we don't know why, were not happy with uh, the direction in which the movie was going. And Brian Burke, uh, who is a producer on both Mission Impossible uh, and Star Trek, and during the production of the latest Mission Impossible movie, uh, Simon Pegg was talking to Burke about this problem. And I guess Simon Pegg, being a fan, started saying, like, well, you know what you should do is blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And Brian Burke's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And Simon Pegg's like, yeah, you could do blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And Brian Burke's like, or you could do that. How about you write the new Star Trek movie? And somehow that's happening, which that's I think awesome. is pretty crazy. Um, now, what, what, what do you think about Simon Pegg writing the new Star Trek movie? Uh, I think that uh, Simon Pegg understands the genres that he appears in. He understands the, the rules of a genre. He understands how things are supposed to work. And uh, honestly, I think putting his name on it has... Well, I mean, having him work on it makes complete sense. I, I, I really do. I, I, like he, he gives it that sort of, you know, you, you have confidence that he's going to give it the flavor uh, that it needs to inhabit the world in which these characters live. Um, I think that he's always communicated in understanding. Uh, now, I haven't seen everything that he's done, obviously, but you know, just referencing, for instance, Hot Fuzz. Like, he knows the rules that he has to abide by in order to move outside the lines and give you something fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, my my reaction when I heard that was actually very similar to my reaction when I heard that he was going to be Scotty, which is like, wait, what? Really? Like, they Mm -hmm. got him? Like, that seems like someone who it's like almost an unattainable goal in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, like, whoa. How does that work? Even though it makes perfect sense because he's a fan of these movies and everything, but it's just like having seen his other work and knowing that he's sort of indie. I mean, it is on a much smaller scale, 
kind of like if they were to say Paul Thomas Anderson was, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it's just like a huge get, but I was so conflicted <laughs> about this because, you know, we talked to, to J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay on this show, the guys who were originally writing uh, the, mm-hmm. the new movie. And, you know, they were really great guys and everything. And, you know, hearing what they had to say was really interesting in terms of, like, what they were planning on doing and all that stuff. And when I heard the news, it was like, Simon Pegg is writing a new Star Trek movie. And while my initial reaction was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy that there's going to be a Star Trek movie written by Simon Pegg, I was just also kind of heartbroken for these guys who have written a million movies and haven't had a single one produced yet. It's just like, oh, God, I feel so bad for them. But I guess on the bright side, they are co-creating this new X-Men TV show, The Hellfire Club, which sounds like it's going to be awesome. So, you know, I certainly hope that it is. At least we're going to get that. I don't know. I, I loved that stuff from, from first class. So that I'm, I'm really excited. I love the stuff from the original comic book run. So there you go. Right. Hellfire Club was always one of my favorite sets of villains. So I, I certainly hope it works out well for them. It's, it's, it's going to be exciting to see for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's something to look forward to. And, you know, we also get a Simon Pegg written Star Trek movie, which is great. Okay. Any final thoughts on Simon Pegg and his portrayal as uh, Scotty? I like it. That's all. Well, it's been fun talking about Simon Pegg and the new Star Trek movie this week, but that's not all we're talking about on Trek FM this week, so here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. A. Mugatu. B. Gorn. C, Tribble, or D, Horda. Isn't Mungatu from, like, Zoolander? <laughs> uh, here's the thing, right? Okay. That is... Earl Grey. Oh, by the way, six hours in. If you press shift, you'll run throughout the whole game. Press shift when your characters are moving, and they'll actually move at a reasonable Reasonable. Pace. The orb. If he had, like, a game card, his power, you know, like, would be higher than any other captain for their persuasion power. You'll be like, damn, I was winning, and then he went and played a Cisco card on me. The ready room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To the Journey with things, with Mm -hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. To the journey! There is that moment where badass Janeway plunges down with a phaser rifle in hand and takes command yes. of the situation. And so there is that redeeming moment. That is an awesome moment, but it always pissed me off because I'm like, why would you send the captain down first? <laughs> right? Commentary Trek Stars. Lost World's a terrible movie. I haven't seen Jurassic World, though. Mm. The 602 Club. We wake up in the middle of the night and I pop back in episode five and I watch it again. Like, there's something about this movie that from even then, you know, I'd seen them all. It's all clean slate. This one was already my favorite. Literary Treks. It definitely starts in a very dark place and it doesn't get 
much brighter at all uh you know until we until we get to the end and and you know there's some hope there but yeah definitely it's it's a dark book women at warp and then tom's basically like well after we like infiltrate the fortress we'll free chaotica's harem and no like we it's gonna turn out they're already being uh freed by furiosa and it's gonna turn into uh... a whole nother holodeck program meta treks I want Lieutenant Commander Einstein sitting at my conference table <laughs> it, in it, my briefing. Would that be a, would that I want be a him, blue shirt? He would totally be a blue okay, shirt. Just making sure. And you know, even though the bushy mustache is technically not Starfleet regulation, I'd let him keep it. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, or you can just go to our website and get them from there. Uh, another way that you can help us out is uh, by becoming a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trek.fm. If you want to contact us, you can fill out the form on trek.fm slash contact, or you can send us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. You can find the network on Twitter at trek.fm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Facebook is also where you'll find the Babel Conference, which is our listener forum. Just type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into uh, the search field on Facebook and it'll pop up there. John, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kessel Junkie, uh, and you can find me on another weekly podcast called Words with Nerds that I co-host with my buddy Craig, uh, where we get into uh, just about everything in the geek world. So uh, give that a listen. And you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars and on commentarytrekstars.com doing commentary Trek Star Babies. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K or you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary Trek Stars and all of our shows to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. John, what do you have for us this week? This week we have Nerd Do Well, A Small Boy's Journey to Becoming a Big Kid, written by Simon Pegg and narrated by Simon Pegg. And the description is this. The unique life story of one of the most talented and inventive comedians, star of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and Star Trek, Zombies in North London, death cults in the West Country, the engineering deck of the Enterprise, actor, comedian, writer, and self-proclaimed super geek Simon Pegg has been plowing some bizarre furrows in recent times. So spend some time getting to know the writer of Star Trek Beyond, Simon Pegg. And see some of his work as a writer, too. Yeah. Uh, you can get this book for free since you're a listener to Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free book of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank everyone for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and the network. 
All right, so that's the start of our Simon Pegg series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at all of the movies which he has written, which include Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Run, Fat Boy, Run, Paul, and The World's End. So next up is probably his most famous movie, and the one that everyone loves, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> 